Episode 135 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. No more underscore. Get it right, guys. I know a lot of you guys are like, hey, I already follow that guy. Got a little bit of a, a problem, but we're back. Hey, today's an exciting show because Mung's back. He's in the kitchen if you guys are watching on YouTube. You know, there's things cooking up all over the league, Mung, and I, I had to transition that way because I love that backdrop. This has been fun, right? This almost feels like NBA trade deadline for the NFL. Yeah, it's great. We're getting a lot more activity these days uh, around the league. You know, Green Bay still has yet to make the big move that everyone is anticipating. But in general, you know, even before free agency officially begins, we're seeing a flurry of activity. And it's going to have a lot of ripples throughout the dynasty and fantasy community. John can't be here. John, we miss you. I know you're super busy, but we got another treat for you. And I know it's it's becoming a little bit more of a regular thing because he's been on two weeks in a row. But we got my man Dynasty Zoltan. No, we we got such a huge response from our Superflex, you know, show that we did last week. Our, our startups and talking about quarterbacks tonight. We're going to talk Superflex, and I know you're excited about the position. Yeah, I'm really pumped to talk quarterback. It's, you know, it's the most important position in Superflex and for good reason. Uh, I think this is our third week in a row, and I, I hope you know the third date rule, Dad. Oh, yeah, I'll be putting out. You know, <laughs> and when, with that, I, I, talking about putting out, we, we transition right into Justin Fields. Justin Fields gets his wide receiver, baby. I know if you guys have been listening, you know, we were talking in January about this is the time, right? Like Jalen Hurts last year. We, we talked about all the different things, right? Year three, Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs. Year three, Jalen Hurts got A.J. Brown. Year three, Tua got Tyreek Hill. And now the Bears make a splash. They go out there and they get D.J. Moore. I think this is year three for Justin Fields. Are we ready for him to make that next, that next step? I mean, I have been taking him in all my super flex startups over the last couple of months. We'll start with you, Mike. Like, this feels like... We are going to see a massive breakout from Justin Fields. And I have him right now as my, my QB7. I'm, I'm, a, I'm willing to almost put him into that QB5-6 range because I'm, I'm just as bullish as I was last year on Jalen Hurts as I am on Justin Fields right now. Yeah, and that means a lot. Obviously, you were one of the highest guys on Fields last year, on Hurts last year. I think you ended up with him on almost all of your teams. Every team, and, baby. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the template is there for uh, for Fields to do the same thing that Hurts did, and uh, DJ Moore is going to help a ton for that. The one thing I would say, I'm going to be the guy in this podcast to splash a little water on this fire because. Justin Fields was an absolute animal. He averaged 27 and a half points a game after week eight last year, a fantasy beast. He was not very good in real life. He had the third worst turnover worthy play rate. He took mm-hmm. the most sacks in the NFL. He just, you know, isn't the quarterback yet, 
that even Hertz was after only half a season. So I'm 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 putting a little bit of caution into the Justin Fields love, but it's an interesting discussion comparing him to other guys in his range, like Trevor Lawrence, who is a much better NFL quarterback, but still only put up 20 fantasy points a game last season because he just doesn't run the ball. The floor with Justin Fields, because I had someone, I put my rankings out, and then one guy messaged me, he goes, you can't be serious that you have Fields over Lawrence. And I said, yes, I am because of that rushing floor. And and you brought up Jalen Hurts, and I'm going to kick it over to you here in a, moment, in a second, is we heard it. I'm, I'm in the Philly area. We heard it after year two. Jalen Hurts is not that quarterback. He's not that guy. He can't get it done. We're, we, we were hearing it with Justin Fields where it's like, okay, well, maybe they're going to take a quarterback here one. You know, if you if you don't believe in Jalen Hurts, or if you didn't believe in Jalen Hurts, and you probably don't believe in Fields, you look at them after in year two, 16 touchdowns passing for Hurts, 17 for Fields, nine interceptions for Hurts, 11 for Fields, 87, 85 QB ratings, and you know, their, their QBR is right in that same area. Like, they have very similar numbers. They won with their legs. They, they beefed up the O-line, and Mung, the Bears have the number one, you know, they, they obviously made some moves there, and they still have number one cap space available, could beef up that offensive line even more, could draft. I mean, imagine they take JSN at nine and kind of pair him back together again after the combine that JSN had. And I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm glowing. You guys know when I get excited about a guy, I kind of kick it around there, and you guys have to be my the, the guys that bring me back down. Mung, you tried to bring me back down on Jalen Hurts all year. I wouldn't back off it. Am I getting crazy on Justin Fields right now? No, I think that there's a decent chance that as long as he is adequate as a passer, that he can be the starter in Chicago for quite a few years. And again, as long as he's running with that rushing floor and ceiling, he can be a perennial top 10 fantasy quarterback. Um, the only thing I would caution is that I don't know that he's going to you know, skyrocket to the moon from what he did last season, because what he did last season was already a little bit of an outlier, right? I mean, when you look at his rushing production, the yardage, I mean, busting out those 70, 80-yard touchdown runs, I mean, that's amazing. That's why we want fields in fantasy. But at the same time, we have to realize that even Lamar Jackson couldn't sustain, you know, a ton of those long touchdown runs, right? Mm -hmm. There are going to be instances where fields gets tackled at the 5, at the 10, at the 2. And at the same time, while and I tweeted something to this effect a couple of days ago when the trade happened and they've been signing, you know, the, the offensive linemen, the linebackers. These are all fantastic moves for Chicago. Um, they're building a roster around Fields, but from a fantasy perspective, they're going to look to build the defense, which means fewer shootouts, uh, maybe a little bit less of Fields playing from behind and needing uh, to play hero ball and busting out 50-yard runs here and there. Um, so, again, I, I think it's fine to have him in your top 10 dynasty quarterbacks, uh, but I, I just it just depends on the price, right? I would buy, sell, or hold depending on what you can get for Justin Fields right now. That's the way we always do it. You know, I, I, if the Bears defense can get to where the Eagles defense was, they would be absolutely thrilled. Uh, Mike, I'm going to go over to you because I, I was looking at some things. I mean, Fields through week 8 through 16, you know, like there was a time where you could have bought Justin Fields – for you could have got Trevor Lawrence for if you dealt Trevor Lawrence you could have got Justin Fields in a first because week one through seven people were panicking week yeah. eight through 16 11th in big time throw rate seventh in adjusted completion rate 11th in PFF deep balls you know 14th in passing touchdowns I mean the 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 entire explanation of that he's completely inaccurate and that he's a bad quarterback this is a guy that you know we've 
him and, and Lawrence both coming in, we knew we're one and two as far as that, that draft class the entire way. Where do you have him in your rankings? And I know, I know you, you still love Justin Fields, so we weren't. I know you're trying to put a little bit of water on my fire. Sometimes the water doesn't put it out. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing for Justin Fields for me is what player does he end up being? Because if we look back at some of his contemporaries in college, right? Jalen Hurts had a season where he put up uh, 1,300 rushing yards. Uh, Kyler Murray had a season with a thousand rushing yards in college. Lamar Jackson had two seasons with 1500 rushing yards in college. Uh, Justin Fields never went over 500 rushing yards in college Mm -hmm. and that's okay. He never had to. I mean, first of all, he only started really, uh, a season and a half at Ohio state, but he never had to because he was so electric throwing the ball. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting because I think the more he progresses as a passer, is obviously positive for his dynasty value because it means he keeps his job. And as long as he keeps his job, he has a solid rushing floor. But like Mung was saying, I'm not sure that he really has another thousand yard rushing season in him. Mm -hmm. I think he might settle in closer to that 600, 700 yard range. And while that's super helpful, that's an extra, you know, four points a week plus whatever touchdowns he's getting on the ground. It's not quite the ceiling that we see from some other guys, just because I don't think that's his, initial instinct i think that's what he ended up doing last season you know he had the largest longest time to throw in the nfl that's not because he wasn't getting pressured it's because he was scrambling when he did get pressured he wasn't checking Mm -hmm. down he really just was dealing with his terrible offensive line so it's going to be interesting to see what type of player fields ends up being for me i have a rate even before this dj Moore trade i had a tier from five to eight and justin Mm -hmm. fields was in that tier so Herbert, Lamar, Lawrence, and Fields are all in that tier. And while I think, again, Herbert's a better player than him, Lawrence is a better player than him, the upside that Fields showed over the second half of the season, both from a fantasy perspective and, as you mentioned, the growth as a passer, is similar to what Hurts did. If you just look at weeks eight and on from 2021 for Hurts and from 2022 for Fields, they look very, very similar passing the ball. And that's what you've got to be hoping to invest in because then you get a guy who can go into that next tier, that Lawrence, it's going to be tough for a guy like him to get into. Absolutely. And I, I think we, we – do you have Burrow at four? And is that in your – do you have – you said those tiers. Is he in a tier by himself or do you have him in that, that tier with the big dogs? I have Mahomes and Allen actually a tier above Hertz. Uh, okay. It's a, it's a small tier, but for me it's just security. I – I am so positive they are the two best players in the NFL that like I'm not worried they could tear their ACL and their value wouldn't decrease while I think Hertz is wood slightly. So that's that's the tier gap for me. Then I have Burrow alone in tier three, and then I get to Herbert, Lamar, Lawrence, and Fields in tier four. And and Kyler and Watson are right on the border of that tier as well. They're a little bit more risky at this point, but realistically they're they're right there too. Yeah, and I know, and I'm not going against it. Like, a lot of that talk was Jalen was at 784 rushing yards, you know, in year two, and people were like, he's going to scale back. Philly kept doing there. So there's a lot to see. I mean, this is an area. Justin Fields is a guy, you know, I took at 110. I traded um, from 212 to get up to 110, gave up my 24 first, and moved from Tua Tagovailoa, who went in that area, and got – Justin Fields and I love that like I'm okay with that I think this is the time right now I'm very I'm I'm willing to risk it you know like that's the way I play Dynasty that's why I had so many Jalen Hurts shares that's why I had Josh Allen the year before that's why I'm gonna have so many fields right now 
that argument was, well, he's not going to run that much next year or, or we're going to be in those areas. Um, Mung, you know, you, you're a little bit more on the not so, you know, a little bit more risk averse side. How do you have that tier as well? I mean, we, we have the, that, that tier there where we're talking Herbert and I have Herbert slightly ahead, but I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, you can move it around Herbert, Lamar, Fields, Lawrence, Kyler. How do you have that? How does that shake up for you? And how are you doing that in your, in your, you know, evaluations right now. Yeah, I, I have them ranked. Um, You're on mute. Yeah, I, I have them ranked. Lamar Jackson. Still on mute? Can you guys hear me? Now I can hear you. No, okay. no, you're good. Sorry, I'll cut that out. Um, yeah, I have them ranked. Lamar Jackson, then Justin Fields, then Herbert, and then Murray, Lawrence, Watson, Lance, Tua, Daniel Jones. Um, so these guys are all, I mean, they're in that order. But the difference in draft capital isn't that large to me. Um, Kyler Murray, a lot of people are down on because of the recent injury. Um, but as long as he doesn't take up Call of Duty professionally, you know, as long as he's still in the NFL, he's going to be running, right? He's got the, the cartoon motion, the Sonic the Hedgehog legs going, um, but he gets it done. And then, you know, we'll talk about him later, but Daniel Jones is a surprisingly good runner. Um, who didn't finish that far off in rushing yards and touchdowns from guys like Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. And, you know, again, when we're talking about Fields and Lamar and Herbert, I feel like these guys have much, much higher perceived value than guys like Watson, Tua, um, even Trevor Lawrence to some who are still, you know, his value is still bouncing back after that disastrous first season with Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where I know you like tearing down and picking up additional draft capital in your trades. And I think this is a perfect example because some of these quarterbacks in these upper tiers carry a ton of name value, but I don't know that they're going to be that much more productive than the guys just one step down. Mike, I got to You know, I love insulated trades and Mung just alluded to it. So I made an offer and, and I, I offered, and it hasn't quite gotten accepted yet. We've been talking through, and it's close. I had Jalen Hurts. I own him everywhere. I offered Jalen Hurts for Fields in the 103, and he's he's considering it. For me, right for you right now, what does it take to move off of Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow, since you have it in that same tier? I love both of them, and it, it's always hard to move a quarterback, but I always find a way to I was scaling off of, you know, we, we've talked about this trade before where I, I scaled off of Kyler Murray and I got Jalen Hurts and Godwin, flipped Godwin for my 24 first. That's now the 101. So it's Jalen Hurts and Bijan for Kyler. You know, like this is the way I love to do things. So if I'm scaling off of Burrow or Herbert and I'm scaling down to fields, what can I expect to get on top? Because this is, for me, I'm predicting that next breakout and I know it's risky, but if I predict that next breakout and I hit twice, it's a huge win. So what would it take for you? I'm coming to you right now, and, and you have, I, I have, or you have Burrow and Hurts. What are you going to need on top of field? So realistically, I would need somewhere around late first value. So I'd be looking at somewhere around the sixth round of a startup. The way that I view this is if I had the 104 in a startup, what would it cost to go back to 108? I'd be happy to get a sixth round pick there. I'd be happy to get a 24 first there. Lower than that, and I just think it's a little bit too risky. If you start talking about a guy like a guy like Rashad Bateman, like that's not enough for me to no. swing the needle there. But if you're offering, so I I did a similar tier down trade, I tier up trade actually today. I moved from Trevor Lawrence to Patrick Mahomes. There were a few other pieces, but essentially the cost there was DK Metcalf. 
Uh, now Mahomes is a little bit above Burrow. Mm-hmm. Lawrence and Fields are about similar, but that's kind of the range I'd be looking at. I need a young, solid contributor who I feel has both stable value and upside to be, you know, a top 45 asset. And I'm looking at, we talked about that smash zone starts at, at, at tiers at nine. If I can get 109 or better in that area, I think I, I'm making that kind of move. I'm being really, I'm really, really aggressive with the 103 because everybody loves Jalen Hurts right now. Um, and I, I think to your point, like, that's where it's exciting. That's where you got to try to g- gather that information, tearing which direction. You know, like we talk about, I have a hard time and people come to me all the time. They're like, Dad, I'm going to, I'm going to pay up for Jalen Hurts. I said, okay, what's your team look like? Well, I was I was middle of the pack last year. You know, that's not the time, right? Someone's like, if I get Jalen Hurts, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be over the top. I'm gonna be contending. No, you cannot pay up for Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Jalen Hurts, or Joe Burrow until that's the last piece. And when I talked to you today, I knew that was the last piece. That's the difference. A lot of you guys are coming up, and yeah, we want to own those four quarterbacks, absolutely. But if you have to pay. You know, you're you're paying this piece and this piece and this piece to get there. I came to you today and I said, "Hey, man, I, I'm in this spot. What if I give up Cooper Cup, Javante Williams, and Trey Lance?" And then you're like, "Where are you at?" Well, I wasn't there, you know, and you kept right. me in check. If I pay those three guys and and it doesn't pan out, I'm in that bad spot. So, Mung, it's hard to buy up four quarterbacks unless you're right in that spot. Like, if you want one of those big guys, to your point, you think that there's there's at least 10, 11, maybe even 12 guys that you can be comfortable with at the position. Yeah, and and to be fair, I mean, that top tier of four is really tough to trade down from, right? Because there's just so much security with those guys. You know, one, that they're going to be locked in starters in the NFL. So there's low risk of them just completely flaming out. And two, you know that even when they have down seasons, that they're still going to be at least serviceable, you know, top 12 fantasy quarterbacks, that they're never going to really kill your team. Um, week to week Mm -hmm. so in general i think i'm talking more so about moving in between you know that second and third and fourth tier starting and and i have burrow in the top four with hertz mahomes and allen so when i'm talking about these tiers i'm talking again i think lamar jackson still carries a lot of name value wherever he ends up um, or if he stays in baltimore fields is the hot ticket herbert might be a little bit of a buy low depending on the league because he did disappoint um, expectations that people set really high for him last year. So uh, again, it really depends on figuring out where you have these rankings in this second to third to fourth tier and then extracting value, right? Because obviously we're, again, like you said, you're not going to trade down for nothing or for a Rashad Bateman or, you know, right. guys in that second round yeah. rookie pick range. But if you can pick up, you know, a first, multiple firsts, I mean, some people are really down on Tua right now because of the concussions. Um, Some people are super down on Trey Lance. They believe in Brock Purdy. I mean, you might be able to trade down from Justin Fields for like two firsts plus Lance or Daniel Jones or Tua in some leagues. Um, That's something I would at least explore depending on how you think those league mates value those quarterbacks. Yeah, I have a couple. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, and I think one one good thing to do there is rather than if you do have Jalen Hurts and you're okay ending up at a guy like Lancer Jones, don't do that in one trade. You should trade Jalen Hurts for Justin Fields in a first, then trade Justin Fields for Deshaun Watson and something, then Cascade. trade Deshaun Watson. Exactly. That cascading picks because 
one person is going to look at that and say, I'm not going to give Lance in three firsts, but if you make three individual trades, all of a sudden you end up with an absolute haul just to downgrade, you know, like you said, two or three tiers. And I put a thread out there today. Like a lot of you guys are asking, what are, what are they worth in rookie picks? And I think when you do this, you have to have early firsts. So like I have Allen, Mahomes, Hertz and Burrow, they're worth three firsts, but one of them's got to be early. I got to make sure I get somebody in there. And I think that's the, I see people come to me all the time and they're like, yo, this guy offered me 108, 109, 110, and 111 for, for Patrick Mahomes. No, 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 no. You have to be able to get, you know, it, that that's four firsts, but you have to make sure you have that quarterback in there. Same with, with Herbert, Lamar, Fields, Lawrence, Kyler. I need two to two and a half first. One of them's got to be in that top four so I can get one of these quarterbacks in this particular draft. And um, for me right now, I got a couple trades here I want to talk to you guys. These guys are the best when, we, when it comes to trades. And we'd be really you know not, not doing our, our listeners a service if we didn't talk about it. The first one's from Ryan underscore Colson. He traded away Joe Burrow. So I'm going to start with you, Mike. He gave away Burrow in a 12-team Superflex. But he received 103, 104, Jamison Williams, 203, 204 in this class. He came to me with this one. I had a, a very simple statement for him, but this was the trade. I'm going to assume that your one word statement was smash because that is a great trade. That, that's ex- that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not a fan of Jamison Williams, but I always say, don't be picky. You know, you can flip Jamison Williams for a 24 first, you know, you could flip 203 and 204 for another first. So what you're basically getting is two early firsts, which both can become quarterbacks, which both are going to be top, you know, 30 or 35 startup picks and you're getting two additional firsts on top of that, that's an easy deal to me. You're not giving up any upside because one of those two quarterbacks could easily be a top six overall pick next year. And even if they're not, well, good thing is you have another two 24 firsts worth of value. So I absolutely love that trade. It's a great way to get off Burrow. If you happen to find a team that has that many assets and are willing to make an all-in move like that. And, and this is interesting because you're able to cascade into something juicy. I mean, we look at this and Jamison Williams is a, you know, the 108 to 110 range. The 203 and 204 this year are like first last year. They're still in that smash zone. The 103 to 14, you know, 103, take your favorite of Stroud, Richardson, or Young, whoever falls. Maybe move back 104 to 106, like we keep saying. Find yourself a way to get Gibbs and JSN and add a little bit more value there. Mung, the biggest question I get all the time is, Dad, do I have to get a quarterback when I give a quarterback? And this one, you're getting picks. So I always say, yes, you have to get a quarterback if you give a quarterback, unless there's a pick that you can move there. Yeah, and again, I mean, it depends on roster construction, right? If you do have other starters who are pretty good and you are looking to contend and you're, you're looking to diversify from Burrow, uh, I, I think it's fine if you're getting you know, an elite running back or wide receiver or tight end, right? Um, because as long as you're making up for that differential at quarterback or at a different position and you're ready to contend and you have the depth, it's fine to not get a quarterback. Um, we just always prefer to get a quarterback back in the deal because it is the most valuable and the most liquid position uh, in Superflex formats. Mung, I'm going to stick with you because this is your guy here. Send in from Hayden Lumen 8. He has Fields. He has Trey Lance, the 101, the 102, and the 109. He said he's thinking about trying to get a more reliable quarterback option. What do you think and how should he handle this draft capital? So, again, he has Fields. He has Lance, the 101, 102, 109. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's in a good spot. I don't know what the rest of his roster looks like, um, but I think both Fields and Lance carry a, a ton of upside, and I think he can either take one at 102 or he could even try and trade down from 102, um, see if somebody wants to move up from 103, 104, or 105, and, and he can still grab a quarterback there, and maybe even Levis or somebody will be there at 109. So I would say just keep his options open right now. There's no move that he has to make. Um, he can explore selling fields for additional quarterbacks plus draft capital. Um, I would probably not be selling Lance right now because his value is depressed, so you're not going to get a ton for him. Uh, but in general, I would just say keep his options open. Yeah, I mean, I, so I'm, Mike, I, I'm same curious question there, Mung. Yeah, I'm curious there, Mung. I, I agree Lance's value is depressed, but if you were to find someone who still believed in him, would you throw in that 109 to get to, you know, that second tier of quarterback talking the Herbert Lamar range? Because I do understand why Hayden is a little bit nervous having Field and Lance. They're two great players with huge fantasy upside, but the floor just isn't there. Did, did before did you even you must have been in the DMs because I literally said I would try to flip Lance in the 109 for Herbert Lawrence or Lamar if not I'm keeping yeah. the two quarterbacks and then I'm gonna you know try to trade for a Daniel Jones with the 109 or get a a Cousins and let these or let these guys evolve so I I'm, same wavelength man that's crazy go ahead Mark. <laughs> yeah no I, I think that's pretty good value if you still can get that sort of valuation for Lance especially because. You know, as I've gotten deeper into the rookie research, I'm still not as caught up as you guys are certainly not as caught up as John, who's been just immersed in all this. Um, but I do think there's going to be a drop off in this class past, you know, the sixth, seventh, eighth. So nine is low enough that I'd be willing to do that. Would I personally make that move because I still believe in Lance? No. But for people who are, you know, who are taking into account the risk versus the reward there. I think the, the value is close enough that if you want to do that, um, I, I think it's fine. And Mike, I, I recently, I have Lance in one and we were talking about it. I was, I offered the guy Lance in the 102 for Mahomes because I was like trying to shoot up that way. Like if I, if you're in a spot where you can add in, I think that's, that's the time where Lance is a little bit risky. I understand he's a little bit on the, on the downside value wise, but a lot of range of outcomes. One last one sent in from Smitty Satu. That's S-A-T-O-U. So Mike, would you accept Jamar Chase, the 105 and the 111 for Jalen Hurts. And this one, again, came down to one simple answer. But this is not one where you're getting a quarterback back, but you're getting insane value. Ooh, yeah. Once you said the 111 there, that that that's an easy smash. Um, it's a difficult trade to make because you're not getting a quarterback back. And that always hurts, right? Not, no pun intended. You're giving up a really good quarterback and you're not getting one back. Some people you know, would say your team has to be an incredible situation to be able to do this. But when you're getting back assets like the 105 and the 111, you can easily transition that into a quarterback, whether you trade both of them for a guy like Dak Prescott or Tua, mm-hmm. or you just add on something smaller to get up into the top four of the draft and get yourself a rookie quarterback. It's pretty easy because those are flexible assets. Now, if those were assets like, let's say, uh, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and uh, Tyler Lockett, you know, values plus or minus whatever, that would be more difficult because there might only be a few guys in your league who even want guys like Diggs and Lockett, but everyone wants the 105. The 111 is such a fluid asset. So in this situation, I would be okay giving up a quarterback without getting one back because, of course, you're getting Jamar Chase. 
same. I said I told him the 105 and chase is is equal to moving from like the 109 in a startup up to the the 103 to get that quarterback. And then with the 111, you know, like the 105, you're probably going to be able to get. You might meet you. Know, you might be able to get in some leagues. You might be able to get one of the quarterbacks. They might fall. You yeah. might be able to you know move around and, and navigate to get yourself to 107 to to look at Will Levis or even. At 111, you can trade in that tier we're going to talk about with Kirk Cousins and some of those other guys. So don't get pigeonholed that you have to be in one specific area. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, now that we, we really hit on the Justin Fields thing, we hit some trades with those top lines. I want to talk about the, the you know, for us, we talked about that tier down. We, we talked about a little on pods before. We all love Deshaun Watson and, and Dak Prescott. They're that next tier with these rookies, 102, 103, 104. Let's start talking about where it gets difficult. You know, it, it gets difficult right now. I have those guys as my top 14 dynasty quarterbacks, you know, with the rookies involved there. And then we get to 15. And right now I have Trey Lance. Now I got to talk a little bit. We, we got to We got to at least address the fact that San Francisco signed Sam Darnold today, you know, like in an area where Brock Purdy is supposed to come back. Trey Lance is there. What are you willing to invest in Trey Lance? We'll start with you, Mike. And then let's let's break down that situation, Mung, right after he's done. Talk a little bit about the Sam Darnold signing and what that means and, and what that looks like for the rest of the quarterbacks. Yeah, personally, I'm not worried about the Sam Darnold signing at all. I, I think that says more about um, Brock Purdy and his health than anything else. Uh, Sam Darnold is not going to start over Trey Lance if both are healthy. Oh, no. There's just no possible way. So to me, this could actually be a boost for Lance because just like how the Taylor Heineke signing was a boost for Desmond Ritter, you could see the Darnold signing as a sign that Brock Purdy is not going to be healthy. Reports are he's going to start throwing in late June, but you know there's always setbacks. And if you're throwing, not throwing until, let's say, late July, you're not going to be ready for the start of the season. So that's all it is to me. Sam Darnold showed his mobility last year i actually think he's a good fit in the shanahan offense as a backup but that's all that is for me i i'm not moving trey lance at all because of that news um and he's right in a similar spot to me i i have him at number 13 without factoring in the rookies yet so that would basically be number you know 15 or so mung same thing Any, anything to add to that yeah i mean i what Sam Darnold got, I think, $4 million, something like that. Um, so I think, if anything, this is definitely a good sign for Lance. Uh, even towards the end of last season, uh, I always thought it was kind of ridiculous that people were mocking trades of Lance to, like, Tennessee or, you know, other teams like that, where, you know, given the draft capital that they used to, you know, move up on him, uh, people are talking about the sunk cost fallacy, but they haven't really even seen anything from Lance, right? It's not like they decided that he's already bad and that they want to move on from him. And really nobody, no teams are really going to give up a first for Lance at this point, right? Because nobody's seen anything from him. So the biggest concerns for Lance from a dynasty perspective for me heading into the off season were if San Francisco decided to push all in for Brady or Rogers, those were the only two scenarios where I could actually see the Niners trading away Trey Lance. Um, and with Brady, you know, supposedly retired now. We'll see if that lasts. Um, but I do think per- perhaps the assignment's permanent. Uh, and then it sounds like Rodgers to the Jets is all but decided, except for whatever fine print they're still debating over. Um, I-, I don't see the Niners moving on from Lance uh, until or unless he gets hurt again uh, or plays poorly in-, in the season. And I do think that 
the Sam Darnold signing is more because they do need another quarterback to throw to their receivers um, in training camp because it sounds like Purdy is going to be right up against that week one timeline. So the way I I love that the way I break down my my rankings right now, especially this time of year, is you know I, I start doing quarterbacks and what they're worth, you know. And for me, you know, Watson and Dak are worth at one hundred two. And then when you get to this next tier, I have this starting at Richardson, ending in Levis because that's my one hundred four to one hundred seven. These guys are in between the two guys that I think are the most polarizing quarterbacks uh, aside from Lance is, is Tua and Daniel Jones. Mike, if you got to choose between these guys, who are you taking between Tua and Daniel Jones? I think like both of them firmly go in, in in similar areas of startup. I feel like Tua goes earlier, but Daniel Jones is creeping up. Um, talk to me about both of them and where you value them. Yeah, I, I would imagine after the Darren Waller signing today or trade today, uh, Daniel Jones is going to creep up a little bit more as well. Uh, as far as those two quarterbacks, you know, tiebreaker goes to the runner. But tiebreaker also goes to the NFL quarterback. So for me, I'm going with Tua because I could still see Daniel Jones out of the league next year, or at least in a backup position. What he did was impressive given his lack of weapons. But if we want to talk about some of the uh, outlier plays that Justin Fields had, Daniel Jones had those in spades. Um, I just don't think he's an NFL thrower yet, and he's already heading into that last year year of the rookie deal. So now is make or break for him. Um, I'm not sure that I am more confident in Tua. I'm more confident in Tua's weapons. I'm more confident in Mike McDaniel. So I would side with Tua there. What's interesting to me, and and I know Mung probably wants to wants to shame me over not choosing Daniel Jones there, but what's interesting to me is that you uh, had Levis and Richardson in the same tier. Um, you said this was your 104 to 107. That kind of implies Levis is your 107. I haven't heard that from many analysts, and I'm not saying you're wrong because, to be honest, I have not started my Will Levis scout. So I got yeah. zero opinions on him yet, but I'd like to hear why you have them in the same tier because well, you could I make know- a lot – you could make a lot of value moving from 104 to 107 in the rookie so, draft. So right now in the rookie draft. So when I just to clarify, when I break down yeah. my rookies, I don't I have the three quarterbacks in their own tier. This is more just for this principle to show our listeners what value they are. So these quarterbacks, wow. Richardson's at 14. I think Richardson, if I'm if I'm putting him in a tier, is with Stroud and Young. They would be the next one up. But for this purpose to try to let our listeners know this is that area where they're going to be able to afford from the 104 to 107, if that makes sense. Like, I really try to put it out there so it's actionable. I Do yeah. I think Richardson and Levis are even close in the in the rookie draft? Absolutely not. But do I feel like Lance, Tua, and Daniel Jones fall between the 104 and the 107? I think that's, that's that area that I, I believe they fall in. And I think the biggest thing is then the next tier down – is your cousins Goff, Pickett, Mac Jones, Geno. None of those guys are even close to the 107, 108 area. And I do have Levis at 107 just because I feel like he gets top 10 draft capital. And when that happens, he's going to be a screaming value. Um, So I hope that answers the question a little bit. I'm always bullish on the quarterbacks. I mean, like if you come to me right now, and you say Charbonnet gets good draft capital. Yeah, I'm definitely putting him at seven. You know, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, Quentin Johnson, you know, they're in that that next tier. And I'm right there. If they get the right draft capital, there's got to be a lot of moving parts. But yeah. right now I have Will Levis as my 107. I know that's higher than some. I know it's lower. Some, some have like their quarterbacks 
one through, you know, they have them at five, I saw, which was nuts to me. I have them at seven after I, I mix in those two studs of JSN and, and Gibbs. I, I don't blame you at all for that, because if you look at the history, there have been quarterbacks, even ones that have taken a few years, like Daniel Jones, who was going in the late first. Justin Herbert was going in the late first. It doesn't take nearly as much to get into that, you know, fourth, fifth round startup value. And you can also get into the top five like Herbert did, which you just can't do at other positions. So I actually think that opinion on Levis is more in line with what uh, most dynasty managers should be doing. Yeah. And I always try to think ahead. Like I had Richard, I had Richardson at my seven. You and I did the podcast about the combine and we said, listen, people, he's going to be one Oh one Oh four. By the time this is all said and done. And he is, you know, and that's kind of like once Levis goes top 10, they're going to start moving him into there. Mung, let's go back to the Daniel Jones and, and Tua. you know, like, Daniel Jones obviously had that great rushing floor. We're looking for that six to 700 yard rushing floor. That's going to be huge. Two has got the weapons. Can you go wrong with either at this stage in the game? And do you have a preference? Yeah, I have them ranked. um, Let's see. I've got Daniel Jones right at QB 13, just above Dak. And I've got Tua at QB 12. So they're back to back for me, um, very close together. And I think they're both risk-reward prospects, right? Because part of the reason we are enthusiastic about them going forward and part of the reason they have some kind of floor is because of their coaching, right? We respect Mike McDaniel as a play caller, and we respect what Brian Dable did in his first year as the head coach of the Giants last year. So I think both of them have a good base. I'm not worried about Jones for the next two years um, based on the $90 million guaranteed that he got. I don't think that they're going to bench him unless he just completely flames out. Uh, and for Tua, we know the risk is purely health, right? He was playing at a close to MVP level last season uh, prior to the multiple concussions. And again, you know, I've discussed on previous shows that concussions, you know, they can recur more easily once you've had a bunch of them. But you also see guys like Devontae Adams who had multiple in one season and he's been clean ever since. So hopefully uh, we get Tua with a clean bill of health. And I think I'm willing to trade either one for the other, uh, plus some draft capital, because, again, I think both of them have high upside, and they're both in that same range for me. And the last thing I'll say is I do think the Mike White signing, similar to the Sam Darnold signing, does give Tua some semblance of job security heading into 2023 as well. And I'm glad you brought up Dak Prescott, because right now I think he is arguably the most disrespected Superflex quarterback there is. Like, he's... I have several Dak shares. People are like, I'll give you the 110 for him. I mean, like, Dak Prescott, I know, Mike, you've done a little bit of research as far as, like, points per game and and where he falls in that way. He feels like the unsexy scale back to move back from from some of these guys where to move. I I moved back from Lamar Jackson and and got a, a, a 24 first on top because I, I I believe in Dak Prescott. Then I was thinking I was going to be able to cascade that. And I'll... I'm stumped. Like Dak Prescott love is is super minimal. You got to just hold. I I think it would surprise a lot of people to know that since 2019 Dak has more points per game than Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, and of course Tua and Daniel Jones, etc. So but with I think that, Dak, I mean are we not in that scenario where Dak Prescott because of the for for whatever reason, whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's the likability, same with Daniel Jones, is there's just sometimes there's a stigmatism that creates a value in a player. Like people just don't like Dak Prescott, so he yeah. becomes a value. And I know we talked about it in the Patreon. Daniel Jones, 
was garbage his first two years. I mean, without, but then this year was great. And there's that stigmatism for a lot of owners where I I just can't invest in him. Dak Prescott seems like just such a value. Yeah, I get it. And, and really outside, or if you're looking at these top 14 guys, even going to 16 guys, once you include the rookies, Dak Prescott is the only one older than 26, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't run a whole lot anymore. So I totally get why, there, why there's concern. But 29 years old, which is Dak is heading into his age 30 season, is not a concern. He is without a doubt an NFL quarterback. Like there's no way he ever doesn't have a starting job going into a season. Mm-hmm. So I could easily see him put up the same year that he put up two years ago. Um, and I could easily see him being productive for the next six or seven years. I'm not worried at all about Dak Prescott and his value is a little bit iffy. I feel like he's more valuable in trades than he is in startups because people see these QB runs and startups and he still ends up going in the early to mid second. Obviously, if he's falling to the third, you got to smash that. But it's trades where, like you said, people have this bad idea about Dak because he's underperformed and gotten injured in the past. Or maybe he just has one of those faces. Who knows? But people don't love Dak Prescott right now. So you can do a low ball offer for him. I'm sure there will be people trading Dak Prescott for the 104 and taking a chance on Anthony Richardson. And in that case, I'm just going to sit with Dak. Um, I'm all for it. Another guy. Let's start. Let's start talking about our news here. Mung, the the Saints signed Derek Carr to a four year, hundred and fifty million dollar contract. Carr now thirty one years old gets seventy million dollars guaranteed. On top of that, Michael Thomas is back. They give him a one year deal, and then they also restructure the contract of Alvin Kamara. So I mean, the Saints are kind of they're they're trying to push the chips in. How high in your ranking should we consider? you know, Derek Carr right now, before this all started, I had Derek Carr in that, that next tier down with Goff, Pickett, Jones, Gino, Wilson, Cousins, a pretty big tier of, you know, the super not sexy 110 to 112, maybe a 24 first, which I'd much rather give up. Um, What do we like about this situation? I mean, do you think the Saints are a good fit for Derek Carr? Do you think the weapons are there? And would you be investing in him in Superflex? Yeah, I think in that tier with, you know, the Pickett, the Jones of the world, that, that that's about right for Carr. Um, I, I don't know that the move to New Orleans moves him much in my dynasty rankings. I mean, he's gone from a pretty strong core of Devontae Adams and, you know, Waller and Renfro had some health issues. But at the same time, overall, you know, he had Josh Jacobs as well. Um, I, I think he had a strong supporting cast. And if anything, the Saints is a down is a downgrade for Carr. Um, or at least a lateral move. I don't. I don't view it as an upgrade by any means. Um, with Sean Payton gone, so um, and it also, you know, Michael Thomas. I, I don't know that I'm particularly banking on him to regain form. Uh, Alave should be fine with this move, but overall, I think Carr is in remains in that middling QB two range. I'm glad you brought up Alave because we talk about in startups all the time, Mike. It's Alave or London. Who are you taking in this area? It, and now. I think Alave, I, I had London a little bit higher, but Alave gets Derek Carr. It's a definite quarterback upgrade for him. And London hasn't gotten that that quarterback upgrade yet. How close are they for you? And does this does this put Alave above London for you? So I actually view this from a different perspective from Alave, and, and it's similar to how I view the DJ Moore trade going to Chicago, where everyone views that as a huge upgrade because Justin Fields is better than Sam Darnold. I'm not arguing that. But Justin Fields is obvious is not a top 10 passer. He's not mm-hmm. probably a top 15 passer. And that's what DJ Moore is locked into. You can make the same argument for Chris Alave where, yeah, 
Derek Carr is a better quarterback than what he was dealing with last season, but now the Saints are locked in for essentially three years guaranteed. They can get out of it after two, but it's probably three or four years to Derek Carr, who is an average passer. So Alave is good enough to stand up and be a top 12 wide receiver regardless, but I'm moving him up because of this. London is going to be stuck in a probably shitty situation. I already mentioned the Taylor Heineke thing. I think Desmond Ritter is going to be starting there, but what that does set up is the potential that Drake London can get a guy like Caleb Williams or Drake May in 2024, yeah. which would be incredible. So I'm taking Alave right now because I think his production is going to be significantly better next season. And I think that his value is going to raise more than London because people are going to see a second okay year for London, at least from a pure points per game perspective, and probably move off him a little bit while Alave could move up to the, you know, Jalen Waddle range. So I'm taking Alave for now, but I still think that London is going to end up being a pretty good investment relative to Alave. That's great insight. I like that. The other part of this is, and obviously suspension potentially looming, obviously for Alvin Kamara with, with video out there, but you look at now we move away where he gets his you know, he gets an area where Derek Carr, you know, prevalent in the dump offs. He is a second in all the NFL with 11 receiving touchdowns since 2019. Mung, right now, Alvin Kamara, I just got at the 1106, which is the equivalent of the 206 in a startup or in a rookie draft. Alvin Kamara or the 206? I think that's about right for him. I mean, he's going to be 28 next year. Um, we don't know how long the suspension is going to be, but it sounds like there definitely will be one at the very least. Um, I'm, I'm fine if you want to take a shot on Camara because the 206 certainly isn't a guaranteed, you know, to pan out by any means. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's where Camara's at at this point. Um, I think that's about right. Outside of that smash zone of of 110 to 204, if you can get Kamara for that, I, I'm in. I feel like the wear and tear is not anything bad. And I mean, if you're doing a startup, and and we, if you guys didn't listen to our startup strategy, like if you are doing what we've been saying, and you're pounding the table for wide receivers and quarterbacks early, where you can get, you know, a guy like Derrick Henry's going in the eighth round, and Alvin Kamara's going in the eleventh. Like, I make it make sense where we're talking about age and those kind of things. But on the same on the same token. We talked about Alvin Kamara being second in the NFL since 2019 and receiving touchdowns. Austin Eckler's number one. And Mike, we're talking about Austin Eckler trade rumors now, right? He, yeah. He's requested a trade. The rumors are the Bills, the Bears are two of the top teams in there. I have a couple things I, I need to get off my chest with this. So the Bills and the Bears, that just excites me. Austin Eckler in, in those offenses is exciting to me. But then I'm thinking... Man, that opens up the door for them to draft Bijan. Like that is that area where, like, I, yeah. originally I saw that in area that just blows my mind of the the upside there where it would be well worth that. So let, let's talk a little bit about Austin Eckler's value because right now he's the equivalent of that 105, 106, and in that same tier running back wise, he's pretty similar to Josh Jacobs. The age is a bit of a concern, but he he started a little bit little bit later as far as the the wear and tear. Are you comfortable with Austin Eckler in Dynasty and how excited should listeners be to this news? Because the Chargers is almost the top-notch area to be if you're a running back. And that's exactly the point that I was going to bring up. Austin Eckler was in a perfect situation where he was getting 100-plus targets a season and he was getting the red zone work. And I'm just not sure I see that in a different situation. You mentioned the Bills. I, I, I mean, I think he's redundant with James Cook, obviously way, way better than James Cook. But I see the Bills signing more of a bigger back. Mm -hmm. You 
mentioned Chicago, that would open up the ground game for him because, you know, Fields would love to – a running quarterback really opens up the game for a running back. However, Fields doesn't dump off the ball. So I think the more that you go over more and more landing spots, it's going to be tough for him to find a landing spot as good as the Chargers where he had those high-value touches both in the receiving and the rushing touchdowns game. I think he had, what, 17 or 18 touchdowns each of the last two years on the ground. That's not going to happen in another team. So I would be selling Austin Eckler. Uh, if you can still get the value that you have been getting. Um, and especially if he goes to a place like the Bills, which I think, you know, people are going to freak out about, but I don't think that's a better spot than LA. So I'm more than happy to take some of the other running backs in his range. I have Eckler in the same tier right now. This was before this news as guys like Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, DeAndre Swift. Um, if I could flip any of those guys right now. I even heard a rumor today that DeAndre Swift might be going back to the Chargers in a trade for Austin Eckler. Uh, In that case, I think Swift would be better than Eckler, even in a redraft basis. So I'm probably selling Eckler based off this move. I think the move that I'm advocating for people is if you can get the 105, 106, if you can tell me that I can replace Austin Eckler with Jameer Gibbs in a, in a super flex and I can reset the clock, this could, this guy's pass casting chops are phenomenal, and I yeah. I just feel like very similar, you know. Um, Mung Jimmy Garoppolo, right? He's no longer with San Francisco. We're not worried about that. He goes to the Raiders on a three-year, sixty-seven and a half million dollar contract. Also, Jacoby Myers goes there on a three-year, thirty-three million dollar deal. Also, they trade away Darren Waller. So my first inclination was when Jacoby Myers went there, I go, man, I, I really wanted Waller to kind of, you know reascend himself Waller obviously goes to goes to the Giants now where he's a situation where he is again going to be in that wide receiver one role because they don't have that wide receiver one in town right now you know before the NFL draft he's that guy just like he was with the Raiders you know when he was what we considered a top three dynasty tight end so let's let's just start casually talking about all this Jimmy Garoppolo is it a good thing for that Raiders offense yeah, I think so. Um, and real quick, I just want to say one landing spot you guys didn't talk about for Eckler that I do think would be a clear upgrade would be Miami. I, I think they're one oh, of yeah. the teams that is kind of pushing all in, uh, just trade for Jalen Ramsey. So if Eckler were to go there, I think it would be slight uh, step up even from the Chargers. But uh, back to Garoppolo, I, I think he's fine. As a distributor of the football, I think he'll be able to get it to Adams and, and um, Myers, the newly signed Myers and Renfro. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I, I don't know that he's you know much different from that middling QB two area that we just talked about. Uh, again, you know, going from the Shanahan scheme to um, Josh McDaniels, I think he has still the weapons. I, I just don't know that he's going to have those massive games, and I think that he'll be best case scenario in that you know kind of crack that top twelve, kind of like what we saw from Jared Goff uh, last year, right? Where if he has enough support and he can avoid the turnovers, then I think he can be fine. I just wouldn't expect him to be a league winner sort of player. Mike, I was shocked that I had like six people in my DMs say, should I give a 24 first for Jimmy Garoppolo? And I screamed no. I was like, maybe if you can give like the 206 in a late second, I don't even know if I would do that. I mean, what are you willing to pay for Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, if you're in a dire situation, I own zero shares of Jimmy Garoppolo. I will probably, at the end of the year, own zero shares of Jimmy Garoppolo. But, I mean, if you're in a pinch, what's the highest that you would pay? 
And then let, let's talk a little bit about Jacoby Meyer because I was excited for him. I thought he was going to get a bag just like Christian Kirk and move into a situation where he improves, but now he moves to a scenario where if Devontae Adams does not get traded, he's clearly you know not in that role that we wanted him to be. Yeah, so I, I actually posted a poll yesterday. Got got just over 1,000 votes, and Jimmy Garoppolo's value came in at the 205. Um, I'm the opposite of you. Uh, I own, you know, about a quarter of my teams. I have Jimmy Garoppolo because I was buying him for two thirds last year and I will be owning zero shares of him uh, by the time the season starts. I'll be owning a lot of the 205. Uh, I actually already sold one share. I'm a contending team. I gave a 24 second plus Jimmy Garoppolo to get the 112. Um, Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. So moves like that, where if you find people, someone's going to value him at that early second range, which honestly it's, it's not terrible. Like he's going to be a starting quarterback this season. Clearly the NFL values him. So even if he's not going to stay around with, with Las Vegas, cause he's only basically has a one year deal, he's probably going to get signed to be a bridge quarterback somewhere else next season. So it's okay. But my issue with Jimmy Garoppolo in this landing spot is Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Jacoby Myers were all outside the top 50 in yards after catch per reception. Mm -hmm. Debo Samuel was second, and George Kittle was eighth. So it's a lot more work that he's going to have to do in this system. And while I think he can be moderately successful, I have him as a priority sell, and I would recommend doing it now because there's a decent chance that Las Vegas drafts will Levis at number seven, Mm -hmm. and then you're holding the bag because his value will immediately shoot down to a late second value if that happens. And I think that's a good landing spot for Will Levis, actually, to to because he is the tools are phenomenal. Like he has the arm strength, he has the mobility. If he can sit and learn for a little bit, I think we we talked about Levis a little bit earlier. Like if he's thrust into a starting role right off the bat, it's not going to be ideal for anyone, you know. But if he can if he can sit back there and and kind of have some 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 time to mature a little bit, uh, Mung Jacoby Meyer was we were both big on him, right? Like this was going to be the scenario where. Potentially, he goes somewhere like when he was with New England, where he was the wide receiver one for that team. Now he moves to that place where, you know, he's at least in that wide receiver two spot. Yeah, and I, I don't I didn't ever view him as a true number one wide receiver for right. an NFL team. But yeah, certainly I think he can move the chains. Right. And that's what Josh McDaniels wants him for. Uh, that's why he went out and signed him. And I think he can still be a wide receiver two in PPR. Uh, but certainly, you know, the ceiling is probably capped in most games with a healthy Devontae Adams. And I, I don't know that he's going to, again, give you those spike weeks, right? Maybe that's less important outside of best ball formats and he can be a steady contributor. Um, but really, you're talking more about wide receiver three or, <clears throat> excuse me, or flex option uh, in PPR formats with some wide receiver two upside. I like it. Last one we're going to talk about because we Mung's alluded to it several times. Jets sign Alan Lazard for a four-year, forty-four million dollar deal. Alan Lazard coming off his best season: sixty receptions, seven eighty-eight, six touchdowns. This is just say, hey, Aaron Rodgers, come here, come here, come on. We got we got your boy. We got Lazard. I have been on the Garrett Wilson hype train as much as I am on the Justin Fields hype train, Mike. If Aaron Rodgers comes there. And I know we talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers towards the twilight of his career. You know, he hasn't looked particular, more game manager type in Green Bay. What does this do? You know, like if if they do bring in Aaron Rodgers, I mean, obviously Alan Lazard for, for Dynasty content isn't anything sexy, you know, just throw some thirds. But what happens if Aaron Rodgers comes there? Because so many people are like, man, I want Elijah Moore. I want 
Garrett Wilson is the alpha in that offense. Alan Lazard is now on the outside. Elijah Moore goes back into the slot. What's what's the play here ahead of time? Well, first of all, I love uh, Elijah Moore going back in the slot. That's really where he excelled at Ole Miss. Um, he did actually do well on the outside his rookie year as well, but it was in a small sample and he was really electric from the slot. So if he's not going back to Green Bay as part of the trade, which I think he very well could given this Alan Lazard signing, I think it would be a boost for Elijah Moore. Garrett Wilson, I can't really boost him anymore. He's going at the 2-3 turn. He's going yeah. as the wide receiver 6 or 7 right after, you know, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddell, and Amon Ross A. Brown. He's already priced as if he has an elite quarterback and as if he's put up elite production. So I have sold a few shares of Garrett Wilson as much as I love him. I just think he's a little bit overvalued, and the Rodgers signing is already priced in. So I wouldn't move him based on that. So I've seen Garrett Wilson in a 24 second for the 101, and I, I would advocate doing that immediately. That's a smash. Except the tricky part about podcasting is like every time we start to assess these breakouts. When when we started this in January, Garrett Wilson was going late third. Now he's all of a sudden moving into that late second. You know, and and these guys move up because we're ahead of the curve, and we appreciate you guys for listening to that, and we hope you guys draft ahead of that. But Mung. If Aaron Rodgers goes there, I mean, should we be excited? Right now, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, is not worth a first. I would not give any first for Aaron Rodgers. I feel like I have him as my QB 26, and I don't even have him in that tier with Derek Carr. Is there a scenario where he goes to the Jets and kind of has a little bit of, uh, you know, resurgence? Uh, I would say there's more of a chance that he has a Brett Favre-type career arc in New York. Uh, With that, Wrangler uh, jeans. Resurgence. Uh, yeah. I, I think he, I, I have him at QB 22 right now in Dynasty, and that's without the rookies included. Yeah, so it's the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, if you can get any first or maybe even more, I mean, especially if you live near Wisconsin um, it, during that trade, uh, if that trade to the Jets happens, um, you know, either way, I would sell Rodgers for a first. Um, in general, you know, I would agree with Mike that, uh, again, I have Garrett Wilson at wide receiver six. So it's just there's not much there's nowhere to move him up to. Right. I, I think he already is um, fairly QB proof based mm-hmm. on what we saw last year. So whether or not Rodgers goes to the Jets wouldn't really affect uh, Wilson's value for me. Guys, this was fun. Like this was just talking quarterbacks gets me excited. Talking about upside of what these guys can do. Um, Mike, I want you to talk real quick about. I mean, I know your Patreon's been blowing up, and a lot of our guys from last week are you know starting to check you out. So talk about what you have going on. Then we'll flip it over to Mung. I want to hear what you have, and and then we'll uh, close it up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on again. Um, my uh, Patreon uh, has all of my ranks, including rookie ranks, startup ranks, all of my data models, stuff like that. Um, and then I actually just started a podcast as well. Uh, I had my first episode yesterday, just recorded a second one today. Uh, Going to be coming at you with a lot of similar content to Smash, a lot of strategy talk, a lot of trade negotiation. And uh, what I'm really excited for is I'm going to have a different guest on every week to really deep dive a rookie, spend you know, 20, 30 minutes just going really deep into each rookie to try to prep all y'all for your rookie drafts. So Dynasty Zoltan podcast, follow me on Twitter, et cetera. And uh, been awesome to be on again. Great news. Mung is, he, he brought up guests. I mean, we have Chad Parsons is coming on next week. We have Matt Waldman. We have JJ Zacharyson. Like some big names are going to be coming on Smash. Just to break up the monotony, you know, like you hear Mung and I every week and Zoltan the last three weeks. But Mung, talk again about what you have going on here. And man, this is just an exciting time of year. 
Yeah, and real quick, just some parting wisdom. You know, I, I would say make those moves that kind of make you queasy. Um, and by that, I mean send a third for Sam Darnold, for Mike White. Um, a, a guy that I bought in years past was Mitch Trubisky when he went to back up Josh Allen on the Bills. Um, look for these quarterbacks that nobody really wants on their roster but have immense upside if they were to step into a starting role due to injury or whatever other reason in a good system you know, with a good, good surrounding cast. Um, that's how you kind of make those flips for profit in Superflex formats. But, uh, yeah, I mean, super pumped for all the guests that you mentioned that are coming on. Uh, in the coming weeks uh, we're getting it, it's crazy the combine's already done and we're getting close to the NF, nfl draft already uh, the offseason really does never sleep and uh yeah you guys can find me on twitter at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g thanks again for tuning in guys and enjoy the process